How does a game design evolve? My name's Jonathan, and this is the Snakes Cast, the podcast for people who don't know as much about board games as they'd like to know. This week, we're shining the game spotlight on one of my favorite titles to teach at Snakes and Lattes, and we've got no less than the lead designer himself to tell us about it. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast, and a very warm welcome to the founder and CEO of Stoneblade Entertainment, Justin Gary. Thank you for coming on the show. Hey, my pleasure. Now, uh, the game you're probably most well-known for is a deck-building game called Ascension. It was, uh, it was a co-design between yourself and John Fiorello, was it? Uh, well, actually, a whole variety of people worked on it. Uh, John Fiorello, Rob Doherty, Brian Kibler. Uh, just that we had a, a team of just basically all-star uh, TCG and card game designers uh, working on the product. Wow. Uh, we'd like to talk about collaborative design some other time, but yeah, that's, that's a big team. Uh, yeah. where, did, where did the idea for this game first come from, and what was your goal with this design? Sure. So it started off, um, obviously, you know, the, the deck building game category, uh, got, got created by, uh, Dominion. I played, uh, Dominion quite a bit, uh, and I, I enjoyed the experience, but I found, uh, some things that I really wanted, uh, out of it. Like the, the, the gist of it is that, you know, in Dominion, you have a set of cards that are available that you can't, um, do anything, you know, that's sort of fixed, and then you build your collection off of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but which very much simulated like a deck building game experience in TCGs. And what I wanted was to simulate the limited card experience in TCGs where you get a certain number of cards, uh, at a, an event, you open up packs and you build out of what you have. And so there's a more variety uh, of experience. And so that's sort of the spawn of what, what created Ascension was trying to create more variety of experience, uh, faster gameplay, uh, version, you know, where, uh, of a deck building game. So who's your target audience? Who did you have in mind as the people this game was going to be for? Well, so this is one of those things where, you know, for me, the target audience was me. Uh, I, I, I did not make <laughs> Good place to start. Yeah, I did not make this game actually with an intention of producing it. I, I made this game with something just for me and my friends to play. Uh, so it was kind of a, it kind of evolved, uh, pretty organically. I just, you know, wanted to play this game and I started playing it with my friends and I would just iterate it and tweak it kind of on the side and then, you know, eventually, uh, it was uh, Rob Doherty that's like, listen, man, you have you have the ball. You should run with it. Like, you, you need to make this game. How uh, long did it take to get from that uh, that initial sort of prototype, playing stuff just for you, to getting to the point where it's like, we got to publish this? Uh, it was we. I so I started my first idea for it came in June of two thousand nine, and we committed to making the product uh, December of that year, and we got it mm-hmm. on shelves in August. So fourteen months, about all told, from concept to store shelf well uh, board games are a hit driven industry where a few titles get most of the glory and ascension has definitely been a hit what do you think made it so successful well i think uh you know one of the great things about it is that it is it's just i i tried to build it as accessible as possible for one Mm. of these kinds of games so like in the time it takes you to set up a game of dominion you can set up play complete and reset a game of ascension Uh, (laughs) it is it is so fast and so easy to access and because of the way that we built the center row and the core mechanic, every game is different in a way that, that you know, D- Dominion and other traditional deck building games are not. So it, it, it allows for a lot of replayability, and it's so fast and easy to play. And then we have the, the follow-up of not only is the game itself, I'm very proud that the whole game can be like set up, played, and taken down in 20 to 30 minutes. Then we have the app that's available on Android, iOS, and, and now PC as well, that you can play the whole game in less than five minutes. Uh, and so I think that that accessibility, it's very easy to learn. I removed a bunch of the rules and complexities. There's no, like, buy restrictions and play restrictions and all these things. So I just, like, got rid of every rule that wasn't needed, made the game very fast to set up and play, 
uh, and made sure each game was different than the last. I think those are really the keys to success. I can tell you they were very key to its success as a cafe game. Those things are major assets to a game guru at a place like Snakes. Um, I'm not sure if you're going to be surprised to hear this or not, but it's actually my go-to deck builder game for couples. We get a lot of couples at Snakes and Lattes, and the adventurous ones looking for something never seen before really like Ascension. Yeah. Uh, is that a surprise to hear? Yeah, no, so it's not a surprise to hear now, but it, it was a surprise at the time. Uh, you know, I wasn't specifically targeting you know, couples, but I actually did find Ascension has had the most success uh, with sort of non-traditional game players, uh, with women, with with. It's a great, well, we you know, girlfriend game, right? It's a great bring somebody in, and then you know, same as a date game, yeah, yeah. It could be it could be a boyfriend game if you're you know a girl gamer and want to bring in your boyfriend that doesn't play. But the, there and there's a couple factors I think that play into that. And the main the main one is that with with Ascension, you're not directly attacking other players. Right? It's not like I'm destroying you and trying to stop what you do. You do interact in the way that you control the center row and trying to get the cards that maybe your, your other player wants. But you basically get to build your own deck and do your own thing. And over the course of the game, win or lose, you're going to feel your strategy being implemented. You're going to feel your deck getting better. You're going to feel that experience. And so it's a good game to play even when you're not winning and and it's a lot less like in your face if i'm better than you you don't get to have any fun <laughs> um and that makes a big difference you know when you're trying to bring new people into the gaming world and you're trying to like play with people of disparate skill levels a game like this is much more fun and accessible and and, and enjoyable way to enter into the gaming world we'll come back to why that is later in the episode for sure Okay, Ascension's a deck building game. We talked a few months ago about deck building games. Some listeners might want to go back and run that episode if they missed it when we ran it last October. There's actually a subgenre, which a lot of people call Ascension-style deck building games. What made Ascension so different from the other deck builders that came before it, and how did those differences end up defining an entire style of game? Yeah, so I think the biggest innovation that Ascension has is, uh, is the changing center row. Um, so this is the thing that's been copied by countless games since then, which basically is that instead of just having a fixed set of cards that are available to be purchased, the cards that are available change from turn to turn. So in Ascension specifically, there's a center deck that gets shuffled, you deal out six cards, then whenever one of those cards gets removed, because either somebody buys it or gets rid of it, a new card immediately goes to replace it. Right. So this in a game like Dominion, for example, you have 10 different cards in the middle of the table, but it's multiple copies of those specific 10 cards, and you're never going to get anything but those 10 cards. Exactly. So you can see everything straight from the outset, and it's like, all right, this is what the game is going to be. There aren't going to be any surprises coming up. Exactly, exactly. And so that game, it's like, basically, it's interesting from that moment when you first look at the board, but mm. after that, it's largely playing out a simulation. And when you've mm. seen the same board set up multiple times, the game is going to play out very similarly. Whereas with Ascension, every single card gets evaluated differently at different phases of the game in light of what's available and it will be in your decisions will have a bigger impact or a worse impact based on what shows up later so it really creates a lot more surprises a lot more excitement uh and so it's been something that's been copied and used um for, you know for the years since dominion also had a lot of actuarial work going on keeping track of how many cards you can play this turn how many buys you can do this turn and uh, ascension just completely got rid of all of that so you see a lot fewer of these 10 minute turns uh was that a, a conscious decision or just something that sort of evolved out of the design it was a very conscious decision um as a rule so i did two things one i i introduced a second game resource um in the, as far as uh we have runes which lets you acquire heroes and constructs cards to put into your deck and we have power that lets you defeat monsters and earn points and win the game uh, that way. And because I have a second game resource, I really wanted to just get rid of every other complexity that I could come up with 
that was in uh, Dominion or in any other deck building games, just make it as simple as possible. And that's really my design philosophy, is like, find what's fun about your game, that core thing, and then remove every other thing you can uh, to sh- highlight that and make that what, that what the game is about. Something else that uh, I find makes Ascension more approachable for people who are relatively new to the hobby is the theme. It's not a specific thing. You don't have to have read Lord of the Rings or something. It's a uh, sort of a generic fantasy, but with a particular twist, with this dark, steampunky sort of feel to it. It makes it feel unique, but also feels like you don't need to know about this ahead of time. You're not missing out if you don't know who Gandalf is or something. <laughs> um and it also is uh, introduces a bit more narrative to it in uh, in Dominion. As long as you're interested in the mechanics of the game, then you're all set. But it doesn't really feel that much like being a medieval lord uh, building your kingdom. Whereas in Ascension, you're you're hiring heroes, you're killing monsters, you're building constructs. I find that's actually a really good hook to bring people into the game to get them feeling like they have some agency going on here. Uh, was that something that was just an outgrowth of uh, your background as a as, as playing Magic: The Gathering, or was that again a conscious choice this needs to be in the game in order for it to function yeah it's it's a combination of things i mean i i you know i grew up playing dungeons and dragons and yay and, you know magic <laughs> the gathering and all of these things and and i love you know an immersive story world you know as much as it's mm. you know the mechanics of dominion or something i enjoy like the story does nothing for me i'm a somehow i'm building markets and ports and i don't know what exactly is going on and it's just not something i personally can get engaged in so i wanted to build a fully immersive world that felt like it was alive we we put a lot of work into like the little bits of uh flavor and and uh flavor text and stories and names on the cards yeah, the names are really evocative even if you have no idea what they refer to yeah it's like man that sounds cool yeah, so I, uh, a lot of people work on this game. Uh, Ryan O'Connor is our uh, creative director and does a lot of not only like the sort of graphics for the game, but also does a lot of the flavor text and names and really keeps our lore. Uh, and, but it's a lot of people have worked on it over the years. It's something we're, you know, we're pretty proud of. It's a, it's something we've actually wanted to do for a while is, uh, you know, do a comic book or do a, you know, RPG style thing to tell the stories more because there's a lot. You don't need, we purposefully, as you said, built it so that you don't need to know any story, right? It's there's mm-hmm. the only thing is there's four factions. Each one of the factions has its own style of play and kind of flavors. You've got the Meccana ones, which are kind of that steampunky mech thing. Right. You have the Lifebound, like nature-y, works well together, kind of gets honor for sort of like working together. You have the Enlightened, which likes to draw cards and like recruits like allies to help. And you have the Void, which are sort of the the ninjas and monster killers and kind of work work in the shadows kind of people. Uh, but and that comes across just by picking up cards and playing the game. That that comes across. But there's this huge story arc that's going on in the background of these different worlds colliding and these characters that will actually show up in different games and change from game to game. And you'll see mm. a new version of a character in a later game. So if you're a fan of Ascension, you know, we just, I, with the, the Dreamscape is the last set that we released. That's the ninth set. We just sent the tenth set to the printers, uh, yesterday, in fact. Uh, and so it's been a lot of time now, over, you know, six years now we've been working on this game. Uh, and so there's a lot of really cool stories and a lot of really cool things going on, which is just, it's just fun. I mean, it's just, it's so part of the job I love. <laughs> Making up worlds is great. Yeah. And in this particular case, it also winds up helping with the accessibility issue again, because one of the problems with introducing new players to a lot of deck building games is the challenge in every deck building game is the same. Find cards that are going to have synergies, find cards that are going to work really well together. And Ascension uh, provides a really good sort of starting point for new players. Just pick one or two of these colors. Get right. lots of those. They'll right. work together. Yep. And uh, that's been a huge boon for me teaching the game and helping people to get a sense that they know what they're doing. 
Yeah, it's it's wonderful. It's it's so in my experience, you know, I go to conventions all the time and I'll I'll watch people and I'll help teach people the game and that's incredibly valuable for anybody that wants to make games. You know, you've got to watch people learn it. You've got to see what that looks like. And for Ascension, it's generally like that that third turn after they've like yep. bought two cards and they shuffled the deck and they start drawing their new cards again and they're like, "Oh," and you see the light bulb go on and it pretty much doesn't require much tutorial after that. And that's when I that's when I get up and leave their table. Is yep. after they get to that third turn, it's like, "Okay, you guys are good." Yep. Ascension was also a bit of a milestone in electronic adaptations of tabletop games. The Ascension game app was a big deal. Tell us a little bit that moment in time when board game apps hadn't quite yet become a thing, and what led you to decide to invest in making Ascension a trailblazer in that area? Yeah, so we we lucked out to some degree. I uh, you know I built Ascension. I you know we knew that mobile games were getting big. You know this is 2010 era, and and so it's starting to be a space I want to explore. And so when I was making the game, I purposely wanted to create a a small number of things that I need to pay attention to and have on the board. Thus, the only six card center row, three always available cards, as opposed to a game like Dominion where there's like 14 cards or so that you need to be kind of constantly paying attention to or more. Um, so that kind of helps it. But really, we just had somebody I'd worked with in the past who was a fan of one of my previous game designs, um, the World of Warcraft miniatures game, uh, was a great programmer and working at this company called Playdeck, and he wanted to make a digital version of Ascension and showed me some of the work he'd kind of done on his own, and it was already looking really good. And so we immediately formed a partnership and got it out in, uh, in 2011. And the rest is history. That was That app was massive. Yeah, it still is to this day. And, and, and this is one of the great things, you know, for people listening, if you're not sure what you, how you feel about Ascension, you can try it right now. You can go to the, uh, iOS app store or the Android app store and for free download the game and play the entire first game all on your own. Uh, and it's just a great way to, to check it out and see if you like it. And then, you know, most of the expansions are in there too for just a couple dollars. Uh, and so it's a really great way to bring an entire new class of player into board games uh, where they would never touch it before. So it's been wonderful for us. So as I said, I bring this game out a lot uh, at Snakes and Lattes. For the kind of people who arrive that have heard that apparently board games are somehow popular again and they're interested to see what the big deal is, this game gets fantastic results for me. And I think one of the things that does it is the fact that it has a board. And so many people, when you bring out uh, you know, card games, oh, we, we're not really interested in card games, but you put a board on the table and it really changes the way they look at things, even though it's, uh, it's, it's not necessarily uh, an, an integral part of it. You could just play this on an empty table if you know where stuff goes, like, just like if you're playing Magic. What made you decide to include that extra component in the game, to put that physical board in the game, and, uh, and how big a hit did that, uh, did that cause as far as you know, the retail cost of the game and the manufacturing cost? Yeah, so it's a it's an interesting question, and we did debate it quite a bit, because as you said, the game does not need the board to play, and when we play, you know, uh, we never play with the board, because we know the game, we want to just sort of bust it out and play it quickly, but new players, the ability to, like, see where everything goes, have a clear place for it, and to really cross that barrier between just being, like, a card game, like, feels like a trading card game, or I'm not really sure, to being a board game, really mattered a lot, and it, you know, it definitely impacts the price point of the game, um, you know, five or ten bucks probably is a, you know, price of what we could have cut. You know, we it's about a ten dollar difference. So we did, um, we actually did release versions of the game. So if you look at the second, uh, ver- uh, the first expansion we did, Return of the Fallen, uh, and then every other expansion after that for the following three years, we did a small two player version of the game without a board, um, to kind of see what the reaction would be and to kind of help pair those things together. Uh, and people overwhelmingly prefer to see the board and they have a nicer box, a nicer experience. It makes it just 
feel better, just that quality component. And if you look at some of the boards we've been doing recently, especially the last set, uh, Dreamscape and a lot of the other ones, they're just beautiful. Uh, it really helps just make the experience just a lot more fun, a lot more engaging. Um, and so, we, you know, we've been very happy with that this year. You mentioned uh, a lot of the expansion sets for Ascension. There's about umpty million of them out by this point, I think. I, I counted. Umpty point um, two, yeah. <laughs> it's that they all bring unique things to the game, like new kinds of cards, new pieces, new strategies, and so on. Uh, well, if you were running, say, a board game cafe, and you wanted to include one of these cool Ascension sets into your game library, which set would you pick? Yeah, so I'm, outside of the base game, the deck building game, which is clearly the you know the sort of initial starting point. That'd be for, Chronicles of the Godslayer. Yeah, Chronicle of the Godslayer. We we rebranded it uh, in the third edition. We just call it the Ascension Deck Building Game now because mm. that's kind of the first to make it clear that that's where you where you start. Right. Um, but it's the same same game basically, just prettier now. Um, and then there's a few other games. There's any one of the games is standalone and can be played totally by itself. And we make sure that the games don't get too complex because anytime we introduce new rules, we usually keep a new rule around for like two sets and then we'll rotate it out so that you don't have to like learn everything that every set has ever had. If you pick up any set of Ascension, it's not going to be too hard to learn. Uh, however, I do think there are some that are better jumping on points. Um, I think Realms Unraveled, uh, which is I believe our seventh expansion, is a wonderful uh, starting point for players. Um, because it just, it really emphasizes the, um, the faction strengths. We actually introduced multi-faction cards, uh, and the faction cards. Oh, so it could be void and lifebound at the same time. Exactly, Neat. exactly. Uh, so it's a really cool way to, like, understand the different factions a little better, and there's no real other rules other than that to learn. Um, imagine if, that also might make the story a bit more involving, since the factions also kind of each have their own kind of flavor story-wise as well as mechanically. Exactly, exactly. And then the, the set immediately following that, Dawn of Champions, uh, actually continues the theme of multi-faction cards, but actually gives you a big oversized champion card to put in front of you that represents you as the player, and you actually get loyalty depending upon getting more cards of the appropriate faction. You get new powers and abilities, and so there's a, it's a very fun, uh, very, you know, pretty, pretty, uh, exciting way to play the game for new players as well. Um, and so, and it depends on what kind of players you are, right? If you're a more strategic, like, you've played games like this before, and you want the sort of high-end strategic uh, decision-making stuff, uh, I would go with Storm of Souls uh, as, a, as a choice, or uh, Dreamscape, the most recent set, are both, like, there's some more strategy to them. If you played games like Magic the Gathering or other types of things, then, then those are where, you, where I go. If you're very new to the games, then, then the ones I just suggested, the, the deck-building game, or also called Chronicle of the Godslayer, Realms Unraveled, and, uh, and Dawn of Champions. But they're all awesome. I mean, I really enjoy, you know, I'm, I'm obviously a little biased uh, as a designer, but, you know, each one we try to bring something a little different to the table, give it a little bit of a different flavor, but still keep that core fun of what, what's what's absolutely central to the game. Um, I, write, I write about this a lot. I did an article on Gama Sutra not that long about how to make games that last uh, and really talks about how we evolve the game from year to year. Uh, I also have articles like this on my uh, design blog, justingary.com, uh, just talking about, like, how we... To handle making 10 sets to 11 sets, whatever, that, that keeps that game fresh, uh, but still familiar. Sounds worth checking out. All right, that's it for this week. If there's a game you'd like to see in the spotlight, tweet it to us at SnakesCast or post it on the Snakes and Lattes Facebook page. Justin, thanks for being on the show. My pleasure. It's great to have you. Snakes Cast is produced by P.T. Douglas. Music is provided by Ben Sound. The opinions expressed on the show belong to the people in it and not the company behind it. Justin will be joining us again to talk about becoming a game designer. Until then, thanks for listening. Game on. Game on.